This is The 101, a podcast where we journey up and down Highway 101 along California's central and south coasts, sharing discoveries, stories and conversations from Ventura to Santa Barbara to San Luis Obispo and beyond. I'm your host, Michelle Luxton. It's our second season, a season with stories of struggle, perseverance, grit and triumph. on Highway 101 in Agora Hills. It's pretty inconspicuous. There's brown and green rolling hills on either side of the highway. Homes are sprinkled here and there. And then there's a small metal gate that leads off on a hiking trail. You probably wouldn't know it, but soon this spot will be the location of the world's largest animal crossing. It's kind of like we're creating this, this gigantic green roof on steroids. This crossing will reconnect habitats that have been cut off from each other for about three quarters of a century, and it'll do it over a highway that is constantly buzzing with cars. We are making a future for wildlife in one of the most densely populated areas in the country. That's hope. (laughs) It's a massive project full of firsts. It's just not the first for uh, Kelsians, it's actually first for U.S. I'll tell you what it'll mean for the wildlife that'll use it, from the California kingsnake to the mountain lion. I'll tell you what it'll look like, from the sound barriers being installed to the plants being used. I'll introduce you to the people who are going to make it happen, from the architect to the engineer to the land conservator and scientists. On this episode of The 101, the building of the world's largest animal crossing. For the 101 comes from KCLU listeners and Cottage Health. For nearly 130 years, Cottage Health has been providing advanced medical care for patients throughout California. Nationally recognized for quality care and patient satisfaction, the team at Cottage Health puts patients first with excellence, integrity, and compassion. Services include the Cottage Heart and Vascular Center, Cottage Center for Orthopedics, Cottage Children's Medical Center, and Santa Barbara Neuroscience Institute. More at cottagehealth.org. This is The 101. I'm Michelle Loxton. This is what it sounds like when 300,000 cars pass through a single spot every single day. This is Highway 101 in Agora Hills essentially on the border between Los Angeles and Ventura counties. And this is one of the busiest traffic locations in the world. In this episode, we're going on a geography voyage from the north side of the highway to the south and then up the hills above the highway to get the real view. We'll start here. There's a big open space on the northern side of the highway. It's at the entrance to Liberty Canyon and it's where I meet Beth Pratt. You have uh, oak trees and a little creek area here, and we're listening to actually Anna's Honeyman bird uh, giving a little song for us that is actually resonating even over that, you know, that noise of traffic. Pratt is the California Regional Director for the National Wildlife Federation. This is, for me, what's kind of remarkable but also sad. It's the last 1,600 feet of protected space on both sides of the freeway. 
Pratt describes this area like an hourglass, with the highway being the middle point. But unlike an hourglass where sand, or wildlife in this case, would flow from one side to another, Highway 101 has been an almost impenetrable wall for the wildlife in this region for about three quarters of a century. The wildlife were already sort of coming to this area and what the National Park Service study has shown for at least the wildlife they have collared or tracking like the mountain lions or or coyotes, they get here and they're like, uh-uh, I'm not crossing this and they turn around. It's a cooler day when we meet up and Pratt is wearing a Christmas sweater with mountain lion P-22 on the front who I call the Brad Pitt of the cougar world. That's right, a puma celebrity. P is for puma, and 22 is because he was the 22nd puma to get a tracking collar. Pratt also has a tattoo of P22 on her arm and carries around a cardboard cutout of the big cat. As you can tell, he's a big deal to her and really the inspiration for the world's largest animal crossing. For me, what he did was get the public engaged, which was really important. The, the Park Service and others have been talking about the need for sort of connectivity for a while, but it, it wasn't something that resonated with people outside of the environmental or scientific world. And, but all of a sudden, boom, you get this lonely, dateless, handsome bachelor show up in Griffith Park. So the story of P-22 is pretty remarkable. He was born somewhere near here, in the Santa Monica Mountains, but ultimately made his way across two very busy highways, unhurt and undetected, and ended up in the center of LA in Griffith Park, about 50 miles away. It was kind of a fluke that he made it there safely, and so has been unable to leave since, living in the area for more than a decade now. The lonely, handsome mountain lion, as Pratt puts it, became a local celebrity and spurred the campaign for connecting wild spaces. You know, I think anthropomorphizing, fine. We are animals. You know, um, P-22 isn't lonely like we're lonely, but, you know, he's discontented. And I think when we talk about him dating, pretty much everybody realizes I'm not talking about him, you know, getting in an Uber and using Tinder. Wrong or right, that image of the sad bachelor cougar was effective. Pratt and the National Wildlife Federation began publicly raising money for this project back in 2014. It was priced at $90 million, and they raised the money through private philanthropy, a combination of big and small donations, and from funds from the State Wildlife Conservation Board. Now, P-22 has been a huge inspiration for the project, but he won't benefit from this particular wildlife crossing. He's just too cut off at the moment. But so many other mountain lions will. Pratt thinks these types of wildlife crossings are the future of animal conservation. You don't need a Yosemite on every block, but you need connectivity to open space habitats. Even in our best protected places on the planet, like a Yosemite or a Yellowstone, both places you know I had the good fortune to work in, the wildlife aren't doing great, you know, in some respects. Not all of them, but, I mean, look at Yellowstone with the wolves. They walk an inch outside the boundary, which, you know, they don't know park boundaries, and they can be shot. Look at the bears in Yosemite. They don't know the park boundaries. Pratt believes cordoning off wildlife into national parks hasn't been really all that beneficial for them. Ironically, here in Southern California, we actually live in close proximity to and amongst a lot of wildlife. She believes that makes people care more. Separating us did not allow 
people then to build a day-to-day relationship with wildlife. And I think if anything, more than all the other stuff I mentioned, that's key to ensuring wildlife have a future. Because if people don't care about wildlife or don't have relationships with it, how are you going to ask them to help save it? Pratt is very excited for the day that crossing opens. I know I will just, you know, probably start crying once that first animal uses it. <laughs> and we're taking bets, like, what's the first animal going to be to use it? <laughs> probably a lizard. <laughs> I make my way under the highway on a road that takes cars to the south side of the 101. There's an echoey drum as cars pass above me. Agora Road travels parallel to the highway, and it's on this road you'll find another trailhead that heads south into the Santa Monica Mountains. This is the southern point of the Animal Crossing, and it's where I meet Sheik Manudin. He's an engineer from Caltrans and their project manager for the crossing. So when we uh, got the opportunity uh, to build something like this, obviously uh, we kind of jumped in it. We don't have the money, but uh, uh, we have the will to do it and we have the, the expertise to do it. This is a first for Caltrans and Manudin, who will oversee the project. It's a uh, huge overcrossing over a very um, a busy freeway. No, this is the first. It's just not the first for uh, uh, Caltrans, it's actually first for US. The basic engineering is pretty amazing. The crossing will be 170 feet wide and 210 feet long. For comparison, that would be a bridge about the width of an American football field crossing over 10 lanes of highway. And because of the geography in the area, it'll be quite steep on the south side. For every 300 feet, there'll be a 100-foot drop. The project will be broken up into two segments. First, the bridge over the 101 highway and then the tunnel over Agora Road. They'll start by clearing vegetation in the area, then they'll erect the columns. Then the precast bridge will be driven in and placed on top of those columns. Motorists won't be affected much, says Manudin, as there will only be a couple of late-night weekend lane closures. Manudin says he's hopeful this Animal Crossing will become a model for the future, and he's happy to be a pioneer of sorts. Uh, seriously, I'm hoping that this project will uh show to the world that, yes, this is possible, and we can do that. I take the trail nearby and hike up one of the hills on the south side of the highway. I want to get a bird's eye view of where the crossing will be. Seth Riley joins me on the hike. He's the wildlife branch chief for the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area, part of the National Park Service. This park stretches north from the Pacific Ocean all the way up to the 101 in one direction and from the Hollywood Hills west to just below Port Wainimi in the other. It's the biggest urban national park in the country, in fact. And so all the work that we do to understand and try to preserve wildlife communities and populations is focused on understanding what are the impacts of urbanization and habitat fragmentation on wildlife. We've stopped to talk about halfway up the hill where there's a great view of the 101 below us. The wind has picked up. Riley has been with this park for 22 years and has been studying carnivores and mountain lions specifically for about the same amount of time. So they have some pretty decent data about them. Here's what they've learned. The Santa Monica Mountains by themselves are not big enough for a viable population 
of this species that's just really only room for maybe 12 to 15 adults and subadults, and that's just not enough demographically or especially genetically in the long run for a viable population. Male mountain lions have massive home ranges, typically up to 250 square miles. The entire Santa Monica Mountains is 370 square miles, so there's space for only a few dominant males. The 101 and other highways have prevented these lions from seeking out new territories, and so they're literally boxed into an area. Really important thing we've learned about the mountain lions is that genetic diversity in the lions in the Santa Monica is very low, basically the lowest that anyone's seen. The genetic diversity is low because of inbreeding. Okay, don't judge. But fathers are mating with daughters, granddaughters, and even great-granddaughters. Scientists have found sperm quality is very poor, with some of the male mountain lions being found to have more than 90% abnormal sperm. Here's how the animal crossing will help. The goal is not for the population to get bigger, because it is what it is. The goal is for it to be better connected to the other population. But the goal here is that the crossing will benefit all animals in the area. Mule deer, bobcats, coyotes, badgers, rabbits, mice, voles, wood rats, horned lizards, tree frogs, snakes, ants, quail, and even birds who are strong flyers. Riley says studies have shown that birds use animal crossings to pass over highways in a way they wouldn't across open highways with cars. This animal crossing means a lot to Riley because it's solving a problem. He says often their research doesn't result in big solutions like this one. We learn a lot of things and we convey that information as best we can to other folks, but often it's not something we can sort of do that much about necessarily, and others can and do, which is great, but in this case, we're really contributing to something that's actually going to happen. And how did we get here? There's the celebrity Puma, the years of fundraising for the Animal Crossing, and then, before all of that, preserving all this incredibly valuable coastal land. It has taken decades to create this wild space. It has been putting together these puzzle pieces. So a lot of planning, a lot of working on, okay, this landowner is not a willing seller. How long will it take to get them to be a willing seller? That's Rory Skay, the chief deputy director of the Santa Monica Mountains Conservancy. Skay is in charge of land acquisition. A couple of miles further south from that windy hilltop with the view of the 101, we're at King Gillette Ranch. Skay and I sit outside the visitor center where feral parrots chirp in the trees and a herd of mule deer graze nearby. This ranch was a major acquisition years in the making, Skay says. Open space is sometimes already part of a park system. Some of it is donated, but a lot of the time it's privately owned and very expensive. That's what we found over and over again. Circumstances change, owners become willing sellers, and then it's a scramble to try to assemble the money to pay the appraised price. So this is the part I get excited about, the little details about the Animal Crossing itself. What's it going to be like? To find that out, I connect over Zoom with Robert Rock. 
He's the principal and COO at Living Habitats and the lead architect on the project. He's based in Chicago. Rock speaks with such colorful language when he describes the crossing. He says things like, it'll be a gigantic green roof on steroids, or... That kind of green toupee over the freeway. He describes the crossing as an ecological stitch that'll weave together the rich tapestry of wild spaces of the region. How can we make this feel like the structure is carrying the mountain across the road? How can we make the structure feel like it really truly is a visceral connective thread? Rock says an important part of the project has been the need to deal with the biggest issues surrounding the crossing. How does this sit within the watershed? How does this sit within the Santa Monica's? How does this sit within the state of California? And how does it sit within the, the entire Western region? As well as the teeny tiniest issues that no one will notice. But then we go all the way down to the microscopic level where we're talking about building soil ecology. We're talking about the microbial biomass. Nine out of 10 people are not going to even know that we spent all this time thinking about the microbial biomass in the soil and the, you know, the, the degree to which that links to, to carbon sequestration or the, the minutia of how we design spaces to accommodate the California kingsnake. The team will restore the vegetation around the crossing with species native to the area, looking at sage scrub, chaparral and oak woodlands. They'll build fencing to keep animals away from the highway. They'll also construct massive walls on the edge of the highway and on the crossing, which will be covered in vegetation that decrease sound. To take it even a step further, we were looking for strategies where we could reduce not just the high and medium frequency sounds that sound walls typically are, are good at, uh, you know, at uh, buffering for, but we're also trying to reduce the low frequency sounds. The height and thickness of the bridge has also been considered to avoid the noise of the cars below. They've also thought about the light. They are looking into lowering streetlights on the nearby off-ramps without affecting safety. The color palette is taken from the Santa Monica Mountains. Rock says this will help darken the structure at night so you don't have that reflective glow you sometimes see on concrete bridges. It's all to make the bridge as inviting as possible to wildlife. On the bridge itself, they will have plant communities, but not giant trees. They don't want to overload the crossing. You know, we're creating a project nursery for this, where we are going to be growing all the plants that are going to be a part of this construction. And part of that is, is leveraging, you know, seed bank that the National Park Service has and that we'll be collecting from the site and from adjacent areas. They are also collecting native fungi that are linked to these plant communities. The crossing will be an ecosystem of its own. We're going to end up having species that are going to call that crossing home because it's going to be this piece of habitat that they don't navigate out of. Construction work starts this month on the Wallace-Annenberg Wildlife Crossing, named for the philanthropist who gave a lot of money. There will be a live webcam during construction so you can watch the progress. Once completed, wild spaces will be connected from the Pacific Ocean and Malibu all the way up to Los Padres National Forest and many more thousands of square miles of habitat beyond that. The crossing will be open for business by late 2024, early 2025. And no, humans will not be allowed on it. Just like the name suggests, it's an animal crossing just for them. For many of the people working on this project, it's been a long process to get to this point. 
conserving the land over decades, getting P22 to inspire grand philanthropy, to design and engineering never seen before. But for the same people, they hope this is really just the beginning. My primary goal with this is that uh, while I want this to be the, the best project that it possibly can be, I, I don't want it to be the, the cutting edge for long. I want the next project to be even better. Head over to kclu.org podcast where you'll find details on what the Wallace-Annenberg Wildlife Crossing will look like. You'll find maps of the wild spaces it'll connect and photos from my visits to the crossing's location. The 101 is produced by KCLU Public Radio. We are NPR for the California coast. This episode was edited by Elisa Barber. I'm Michelle Luxton, the host and creator of The 101. If you have an idea or a story for one of our next episodes, email me at podcast at kclu.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about it today. And don't forget to subscribe. I'd also love if you'd rate or review our podcast. This is The 101. Thanks for listening.